So, hello friends and uh, welcome to the podcast. This is episode 35 and the title for today's podcast is The Circle of Hope. That's right, just taking a little break from the series that I'm doing on the life of David to, uh, to break into some level of conversation around the current um, COVID pandemic and uh, how we're responding to this, uh, how it's impacting us, how it's affecting us, and um, what type of a response that we c- that, that we can make to the current crisis that we find ourselves in. So I've given the talk the title, um, The Circle of Hope. The idea behind that is that um, in, in life, um, everything is interrelated. We're all connected. Life is connected. Everything has an impact on everything else. Uh, we, we don't live in isolation. Well, of course, the truth is that we're experiencing that physically um, in many respects through this season of lockdown. But the principle of life is that uh, we're not isolated and that we are actually connected. And the truth of the matter is that our isolation Uh, leads to many deep challenges within us and so we know what disconnection does. We know what it feels like to be disconnected, to be isolated and we know that that is alien, it's foreign to us which really goes to the heart of of creation and the heart of what the Christian story is, is all about. You know, basic Christian orthodoxy has birthed within the very center of its essence and message the fact that we are each of us created in the image and the likeness of God and and the truth of this is of course that that God himself manifests in a triune manner the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit and so the very nature of the Godhead teaches us that um, you know, we are all interrelated in so many different ways. And so when it comes to talking about the circle of hope, what I want to build in our minds is this sort of understanding that um, it takes a journey to get to hope. It takes a journey to get to the place of hope. It's not a unrelated uh, message or, or feeling or experience that is not connected to other things because it most certainly is. So I'm going to use a passage from the New Testament out of the life of the Apostle Paul when he's writing to the church at Corinth. This is his second letter. Um, it's Well, it's the second letter that we have. I mean, the scholars tell us that Paul probably wrote four letters altogether. A couple of them have been lost en route. And so we've got embodied into the canon of the New Testament two of the letters that he's written. And uh, we're reading from the second letter from chapter 1 and verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, 
because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. He goes on and says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour God granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Paul's life was characterised by trouble. It's difficult to really see it in any other way. He came to faith in Christ through that amazing experience on the road to Damascus where he was out to cause trouble for this newly founded Church of Jesus. He was off to imprison and indeed see put to death many of those who were following this new faith. And it was on this journey as he travelled to this town that he had a dramatic encounter and experience with the risen Jesus. And it was that experience that turned him from a deep persecutor of the church to the greatest proclaimer of the news of Jesus that we have within the New Testament. Such would be his dedication, his passion, his commitment to following the risen Jesus, that he would set about the task of establishing new churches around the whole of Asia Minor. And Corinth was one of those churches. And so as he has written to them before and now writes to them again, helping to give them direction, point them in the way of true courage, build hope and faith within their hearts, he gives us an insight into the challenges that he has in the journey that he's undertaken. And characterised by trouble, he gives us an insight into what he had and was suffering, and the fact that most, if not all, of these troubles were caused because of this new faith in Jesus that he discovered. He was in trouble with the Jews, he was in trouble with the Romans. Whichever way he turned, this man was at loggerheads with, with the culture. He was now swimming upstream, he was going against the flow, because something profound and dramatic had happened in his life. He had met with the risen Jesus. And so he embarks on this journey. And it's out of the context of his experience that he comes and writes to the church at Corinth with a message of, of hope, with a message of confidence. He says in these verses that on him, that is on the Lord Jesus, on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Paul was confident of the delivering hand of God 
he was confident that God was with him. Not that he was expecting that God would particularly in some amazing way extract him out of trouble, but that God would give him courage in the midst of it. I can't help but think there are some parallels here for our experience today as we walk through the troubles that we find ourselves in and the challenges that we face through the current coronavirus pandemic. We ourselves are troubled and there is fear all around us. People are concerned for their livelihoods, they're concerned for their health, they're concerned for their family and for their friends and rightly so. When we see increasing statistics day by day of the amount of deaths that this pandemic is causing, the amount of individuals, people, those made in the loving image of God are losing their lives, then how can we not help but feel some measure of concern and fear when we see these things right in front of us? And of course, the closer we get to the experience, then the more challenging it all becomes. But Paul is a person who is not without hope. And because he's not without hope, he's also not without courage and confidence. The question then to be asked from my point of view is, where does this courage and where does this confidence come from? And I think he wraps all of this up for us quite neatly in these few paragraphs that we read earlier. Paul's confidence, Paul's courage, comes from a conviction of the nature and the heart of God. You see, Paul has understood in a fresh way who God is, what God's like, how God comes to us. And it's had a profound effect upon him and upon his life and upon his ministry. He starts in this way. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. You see, what Paul does is he gives us an insight into how we should understand and therefore how we should relate to God. He captures it in this way, and I phrase it slightly different by saying that the nature of God towards his creation is, is one of paternal compassion. God looks upon the creation from the perspective of a father. He has given birth to this, this cosmos in which we live, in which we live and move and have our being, in which we exist and relate to one another. God has given birth to all of this, and so he looks upon it in the same way as a parent would look upon their child or their children. And he is moved with compassion towards that which he has created, and he's moved with compassion towards you and towards me. And Paul grasps this, he understands it. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of 
compassion. Now you may have an image of God as an old man with a white beard in the sky. I'm sure we've all had those images in times past. Probably more as an aged grandfather rather than as an active parent. And if we've only got that image of God in our mind, then truly we are missing out on the essence of God's nature and who and what he's like. One of the Hebrew words that's translated compassion is actually derived from a root word meaning for womb. It's thus a comparison between God's love and maternal love. He's given birth to something. He's carried this. And so he has compassion towards his creation. And he has compassion towards you and me. And that's what Paul wants us to understand. In Psalm 103 and verses 13 through 14 it says... And as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Which is the reason why he deals with us gently and tenderly. Because he knows the nature of our substance. He knows where we came from. He remembers that we are but dust. I wonder what your experience of God has been. Have you ever known his love and compassion? I fear that many have been offered a distorted view of God over the years, a view that falls truly short of what God is really like, cold perhaps, distant, outdated but also angry and vengeful. Yet this is not the image of God presented to us in Christ. And let's remember that it is Christ who is the exact representation of the true God. Hebrews 3 verse 3 reminds us the Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And so when we encounter Jesus in the Gospels, we're encountering the embodiment of God as demonstrated in his humanity. So in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35 and 36, we read, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And so the instinctive reaction of Christ, the instinctive motivation of Jesus when he sees these crowds, harassed, helpless, wandering, without direction in life, he has compassion on them because he recognizes them as lost. They are like sheep 
without the guidance of a shepherd. And Jesus comes to change that. And he changes it from a motivation place of compassion. We see in this very action the heart of God displayed. Now, the result of discovering God's passion, compassion is, in fact, to experience his comfort. Because through God's compassion, we engage with his tenderness. We step into the warmth of that relationship. We feel the security of those arms. We recognise that we are protected again because no longer are we lost but rather we are found. And so discovering God's compassion actually leads us to a place of comfort, which is exactly what Paul says. He comforts us in all our troubles. I'm not sure what your troubles are today. Maybe they're similar to mine. Maybe they're different than mine. Certainly some of our troubles are similar at the moment because of this collaborative experience that we're all travelling through together and the resulting emotions and feelings that come out of that are similar from person to person. And so when we encounter the compassion, the tenderness, the gentleness of God, this shepherd who comes in search of the sheep, what our overriding experience is, is one of a deep sense of being comforted. There's an old hymn that was sung and the words go like this. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes our sorrows, heals our wounds and drives away our fear. Comfort. These are the actions of someone who draws close and comes alongside. Like that friend who steps into the turmoil of maybe a crisis that you're experiencing and brings a voice of calm and reassurance with a message of, it will be well that goes deep into your heart. We know what it is to be comforted and we know what it is not to be comforted. We know what it is to live with our fears. We also know what it is for somebody to step into and take hold of those fears with us. And that's what comfort is all about. And that's what the Father of Compassion offers to you and to me. It's, as we experience it, that phone call when you just needed it, that card that appeared in the post that you weren't expecting, that well-intentioned hug, not that we can give many of those at the moment, that makes us feel secure and warm inside again. This is the image of God that Paul wants you to have. This is his experience and it's this experience that he wants to share. Now, the purpose of comfort is to help us to find courage. Because when we're facing times of real difficulty, 
when we're going through deep challenges, what we need in our lives is courage. Courage to face tomorrow. Courage to work through today. Courage that allows us to say it's going to be all right, even when in fact it's actually all wrong. That's what courage does. Courage speaks a message of hope. And that's where the circle of hope comes to its point of completion. You see, in the verses that we've read, it starts with compassion and a deep understanding of the nature and the heart of God that leads us to comfort, that sense of assurance that God is with us, that sends us out with courage, knowing that whatever we face, we face it with God on our side. Paul puts it in this way, but all of this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You see, death has been conquered. Christ is the risen one. There is hope for tomorrow. There's comfort for today. There is courage for the journey. And what is that source of courage? Well, we can look for that in ourselves. We can look for it in other people. We can look for it in all sorts of advice. But actually, Paul says, we do not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He raises the dead, this God does. Which is why you can have courage to face the future. And so Paul finds his courage in God. We can all find our courage in God. That's the nature of the message that Paul brings. That's why he's traveling throughout the whole of Asia Minor, establishing, supporting and helping these churches. Because he knows that we can all find courage in the message of the risen Jesus. Christine Kane, a well-known preacher, said this in a recent tweet. Our hope is in Jesus. Hope that doesn't deny the reality of our pain, but gives us life beyond our pain. He also gives us courage. Courage that doesn't eradicate fear, but gives us the ability to move forward in spite of it. Our God sees. He knows. He cares. He is faithful. And so may you and I bring our fears and worries and concerns to God. And may we encounter God in the way that he makes himself known to us, the father of compassion. And may that compassion take us to a place of comfort. And I pray that from that place of comfort, God may send you and me out into this world with courage. Courage to face the situations we face. Courage to face tomorrow. Courage because we know that God is with us.
And here's a short prayer to finish with today. Maybe you want to take this prayer and make it your own. Heavenly Father, I bring my fears to you today to trust you and put my faith in you. I trust you with my past, my present and my future and invite you into my life that I may experience the compassion, the comfort and the courage that you give. Amen. Well, my friends, I trust that you'll take some comfort from what we've been talking about through this session as we've looked into these passages from the life of Paul. And my prayer is that the courage that God wants you and I to have would truly be yours. And until next time, may grace and peace be with you.